Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I don't want to be known for a church just for our praise and worship, and I I think we have some of the best, and we're truly blessed. And I don't want to be known for our our style, right, or our our suits or not suits or lights and sound, and I don't want to be known for our preaching or our programs or our events. I, I don't want to be known by our theology, any of that kind of stuff, although those things are important. I really, my heart is for this church for you and I to be known for our generosity, that we really care for people, that we're making a difference. We're not just holding meetings, but we're leveraging our life, our influences, our resources to help other people find God, to help the the under-resourced have something to eat, have something to wear, to to help people that are struggling in marriage find answers and solutions if we can, to help parents raise their kids and their teens, to help people live a victorious life. I want to be known for making a difference in the lives around about us. And really the only thing that's, that makes that happen is a generous life in, in so many ways. And again, let's just not equate generosity with the giving of resources or finances. That is an aspect of it, uh, certainly. But we want to look at what this means because I just want you to know that it is so important for us to understand this principle in the scripture to get our lives in line with the word of God. That's what's best for you and I. That's how we live a life of fulfillment and blessing is by lining our life up with the word of God. And so we want to take a look at this idea of a life of generosity. And so in doing that, we want to look in in here in the book of Timothy. And this is Paul has written a letter to uh, his spiritual son, Timothy, a pastor. So you'll see Paul, we'll talk about uh, the letters he's wrote to Corinthians, the church. He wrote some to Timothy, some to people, some to churches, but so many great principles and truths in all of them. And so he's writing this particular letter to Timothy, uh, a spiritual son, and he's telling him what he needs to make sure, make sure you instruct your church in these things. And so as a pastor, that also applies to me to make sure that I'm instructing this church in these things and principles. So we can live our life by them. Let's take a look in 1 Timothy 6, starting there, verses 17 through 19. Here's what the word says. Command those, pretty strong word, instruct, tell, uh, focus your church on these things. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, to which we all would agree wealth is uncertain, especially in times that we live in. If you've been watching the stock market or the, the, the jobs report or the economy, the up and down, uh, whether it be through political arena or through markets and what this dollar's doing here and what China's lowering, devaluing their currency, any of that kind of stuff. And on and on and on it goes that wealth in this world is uncertain. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen? The next one, verse 18. Command them, refocus them, instruct them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous, there's our word for our series, be generous and willing to share. Now let me talk about that for a second. It says to be rich in good deeds. Command them to be rich in how you treat other people. I mean, that's basically what it means, right? Command them to be rich in how they treat other people. Uh, That we're to focus them on living a generous life. Uh, Now watch what happens when you focus on being generous to other people or you live your life and leverage your influence, resources on behalf of others. Look and see what happens, the result in the next verse, verse 19. In this way or because of that, they will lay up for themselves treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age, the coming age being heaven, 
men, and so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Two things as a result of living a generous life, this is what we need to understand because this will apply to us if we live a generous life, that number one, we will store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, and Jesus even talks about this. This is Paul writing to Timothy, but Jesus even talks about storing up treasures in heaven. So to you and I, that must mean that if we can set aside some things in heaven, they're for a reason. Come on, now we live our life and we think, hey, it's just enough, I just, I just, I wanna scoot by the skin of my teeth, I don't care, I just wanna get in the doors, I don't care if I'm crawling or be drugged through there. Can I just say, I, not me, I wanna enjoy the fullness of heaven. And if the Bible says that there is something to do with storing up treasures there or rewards there, it's for a reason, and here's what I do know, that eternity is a whole lot longer than this temporary life I live on the planet. The Bible says life is but a vapor, but eternity is forever. The vast majority, almost the entirety of our life will be spent in eternity, and the Bible says that you can store up some stuff there. I mean, okay, I'm I'm all for that, right? But it says that you can store up stuff, a generous life will enable you to store up some stuff in heaven, but then it goes on to say this, here's the second benefit, and you, you may take hold of the life that is truly life. Life truly lived the way God intended is a life that's generous, and the result of that for you and I is life of fulfillment and life to the full, that even though we're not in heaven yet, on this side of heaven, that we can live a life that is truly life a life marked by our heavenly Father, which is life better than just getting by this normal life. Amen, you know what I'm talking about, right? Heaven storing up things for eternity, but while we're on the planet, we can live a full life. The key Paul is writing to Timothy to instruct his church in is to live a generous life. Now, is this really a big deal? I mean, come on, let's just, let's make sure we get to heaven, number one. And, And let me say this, heaven is dependent upon your relationship with Jesus, that's it, right? We're not talking about generosity getting you to heaven, all right? I'm not talking about, you just need Jesus to get to heaven, amen? We're talking about when you're there enjoying the rewards that the Bible says that will be handed out. So obviously there's a reason for it. I want you to understand that. But is this really a big deal then? Well, if I was to give you messages based on the number of times something is shown in scripture, this would be talked about a whole lot more often than what we talk about it. And maybe it isn't because people would say, oh, the church, see, the church just wants your money. That's all the church is about and stuff. And I hear that all the time, and I get that, and that's okay. You make a decision for you and your family, but I want to show you what the scripture says. But if we're going just based on how, some, how often something's mentioned in scripture, we should be talking about this a whole lot more than we do. And let me just show you, the word believe and we, believe, and we understand believe is a very important word. It is the basis of our relationship with God through Jesus. So the word believe is used 272 times in scripture. The word pray, and we all would agree, pray or prayer is extremely important. We're to live a life of prayer. We're to be known through prayer. This is to be a house of prayer. The word pray is used 371 times in scripture. The word love, which we would say is the theme of the Bible, if you will, but the word love is used 714 times in scripture. But the word give, the word give is used 2,161 times in scripture. If we're going just by how often something's mentioned in the Bible, we should be talking about a life of generosity a whole lot more than we are. But I know that there's some pushback here, but understand the word is the word and those principles still work in our life. Now I think there's a couple reasons. One, I think because we will struggle with this issue. I think that's why it's addressed so much. When you're talking about people giving of them time, of themselves, and of resources, hey, can I tell you, there's a lot of pushback here. I was like in this church, I started talking about my money. 
That's between you and God. I'm gonna be a good pastor and share the fullness of the scripture with you, okay? And so it's very important for us to understand this principle here in the Bible. And obviously, just going by how often it is mentioned, we probably don't spend enough time on it. But I I would agree that there has been abuse of that. I, I, I completely agree with that. People in my profession, sadly, has misused, mistaught, and abused it. And I wish it was not true, but sadly it is. That's why I wanna give you the scripture for you to make a decision on your own. And here's what also I believe why I see you so many times in the Bible. Because at the heart of God, it's what he's all about. At the heart of God, it's what he's all about. In fact, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave. He responded to his love through giving to you and I. The whole Bible is about this generous God and and that he gave to you and I. And the message of the Bible is when you come on the receiving end, you become a generous person yourself. That's the message of the scripture. So we freely receive Jesus Christ and all that he has for us, then we become a generous person in sharing him as well. Psalms 37, 21, New Living Translation, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Say generous. That means our lives are to be marked by generosity. We're to be known being generous. And sadly, I think there's some real grumpy, stingy believers. And I don't understand that. Life is so much more fun, so much more fulfilling when we're generous, when we're like our heavenly father. Proverbs 11.25 says this. A generous person will prosper, but whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Did you get that? It's talking about not receiving anything externally. It's talking about receiving something internally. Did you get that? Our outward generosity uh, uh, positions us to receive something internally. And science will prove that. Isn't God a genius in how he created something inside of us that when we give externally, that something triggers inside of us that brings joy, happiness, and fulfillment on the inside? It's really a heart issue. And that's my title for my message today, A Heart Condition. We're talking about the heart. And again, I know there's pushback. You just want money. Preachers just want money. Churches, I'm not taking up a special offering today, although I wouldn't have a problem doing that because it's going for the kingdom. But we're not trying to motivate you to do anything. We're trying to give you the truth and power of God's word so you can position yourself to be a blessing as God always intended and walk out the life that truly is life. But I want you to know that if you'll grab a hold of this concept of generosity, it not only will be a blessing to you, it will refresh you, as the Bible says. So let's look at a passage of scripture, and let's go verse by verse. I love going verse by verse and pull out the truths in this that we can apply to our life. There's really two chapters in this book. The book is 2 Corinthians. You can go ahead and turn there. Paul wrote letters to individuals. Timothy, we just talked a little bit about that. He wrote letters to churches, and he wrote a letter to the, two letters to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8 is where we're going. Chapters eight and nine in this book of 2 Corinthians really speak to the motivation of generosity because I think we gotta understand the motivator. I think it's been misused and abused again and so we're gonna get the right perspective on it. But these letters were written to the church at Corinth. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background to this. Paul planted a, a lot of churches there in, what, in that area which is known as today modern day Turkey. He planted a lot of churches in that area. In fact, that's my bucket list one day. I want to go visit all those churches over in Turkey. But Paul spent a lot of time not only planting them, visiting them, writing letters to them. In fact, much of the New Testament are letters that he wrote to those churches. And his heart really was the church in Jerusalem, his home church. And what happened was all these other churches, um, he he felt should contribute to the home church. And so he would go or send somebody from time to time 
And they would take up offerings in the other churches to be able to help be a blessing to the home church in Jerusalem and help fund the work there. And so he's basically setting them up for a trip he's going to be taking. He's actually going to send somebody. It's time for them to come around again for the offering to the churches that he planted. Now he's addressing this letter to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was probably the most wealthy church, the wealthiest of all the churches that Paul planted. And so... um, he goes to them and he's writing this letter to them and he's speaking about some other churches. And so let's take a look at that, Second Corinthians 8, starting in verse one. Here's what he says. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, say grace. Okay, I want you to hold on to that word because that's an important word in understanding the concept of a generous life. The grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now he's writing to the wealthiest church he's planted, the church in Corinth, about these other churches. And he's saying to them that they have this grace and grace is the Greek word charis, or the Greek word for it is charis, which means gift, meaning they just have this gift of giving. That I don't know what it is about the Macedonian church. They must just have this gift of giving. He's writing again to the biggest, probably wealthiest church that he's planted, and he's talking about this grace gift this other church has. They have this gift of giving or an internal ability on the inside to give. He goes on to say this. In the midst of of a very severe trial, a very difficult time that church is going through, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now that is a powerful scripture to me. Because imagine the severe trials. What must they be? I don't know, but what severe trials have you and I faced at times? In the midst of the most difficult time perhaps in their life, in existence, it says that their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. How often do you ever see those two words put together? together. Overflowing joy and extreme poverty. Those don't even come to, how do you do that? Only God can do that, amen? Only God can take you in the midst of your greatest trial and in, in, in a sense of extreme poverty and creating you overflowing joy. There is a way to have that. No matter what's happening in life, if you'll live a life lined up with the word of God, you can walk in the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, amen? I love that about God. Only God can do that. These people are going through a tough time, Corinthian church. You think you have it tough. These guys have it tougher, and they are in extreme poverty. But I'll tell you what, they are overflowing with joy. They got something figured out. Well, how is that then? I want some of that. Because I don't know about you, but I face some severe trials from time to time. I've been there when I've been with. I've been there when I've been without. But I always want to overflow with the joy of the Lord. Amen? It is our strength. And so only God can make you full of joy while you're going through extreme poverty. He's saying they had an ability, Corinthian church, but I want you to know that they blew us away above that. Here it goes on to say this in the next verse. For I testify, I'm telling you, I know them, and here's what's happened. I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. And what he's saying here is I know the shape that they're in. I know their ability to give, and they gave beyond that. I mean, I was blown away by that. I couldn't, I know, I know where you guys are at financially and they went above and beyond. In fact, it goes on to say this in verse four. It says this in the next verse. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. So Paul's saying like, he's telling the Corinthian church, I was telling the Macedonian church, hey, don't worry about it. You guys are in extreme poverty right now. Just take a break. Why don't you sit this one out? Let's let the other churches, let's let the other people, let's let the wealthy people take care of it all. You know what? Don't worry about it. I know you're struggling. I know you're having a hard time. And you know what it says that the the Macedonian churches responded in? They pleaded, beg, please let us give. Please let us be a part of what God's doing. 
please, we want to do this. They begged, they pleaded. No, we don't want an out. We're not going to take a break. We're going to honor. We're going to give. We're going to be generous. I love the heart here. And Paul's expressing the motivator. He's expressing to the Corinthian church, the wealthiest church, he's kind of stirring them up a little bit. Don't get complacent with your giving. Oh, we got this because we're big givers and we got money and all this. Make sure you get the heart right. That's what he's trying to help them see, the right heart. No matter what's going on in life, no matter where you are, make sure you have the right heart. Entirely on their own, they pleaded with Paul, don't, let, don't skip us on this offering. Make sure we get to be a part of it. It says they pleaded, and Paul's telling them about this, the church in Corinth, so they can understand the spirit and the heart of generosity. Verse five says this, and they exceeded our expectations. Listen to this, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord, they gave themselves first to the Lord, which is right and appropriate, and then by the will of God to us also. They weren't just writing checks. Come on, generosity, you realize generosity is not just about money. I mean, that's what people make it about, but they weren't just writing checks, they weren't just dropping money in the bucket when it came by. It says they gave themselves. Generosity is not about giving money, generosity is a lifestyle. It is an attitude. Everywhere you go, give hugs, give smiles, give encouragement, pats on the backs, donuts at the office, anything you can do. Give your time, your idea, your passion, your whole life. Well, my wife and I, we were in, uh, just spent that time in India, as I mentioned. We went to three churches on Sunday. Sunday morning for us, as we were driving hours outside of the city, into the, literally into the sticks, that it was like 10 o'clock at night for y'all. But we were on Saturday night, we were out there, and every church we went, which dirt floors and, and, and very, very poor, just took an offering up and gave it to us. And we're like, no, no, no. And the sense was like, no, we're Americans. We're, you know, we're good. We got all this and you have nothing. But they were like, they pleaded. It was literally this passage. They pleaded to give it. And we had to humbly take that and pray a blessing. But here's what I know. In their extreme poverty, they were overflowing with joy. And let me tell you what, I had this, I had this already planned. I had this series already planned before we went over there. And I, it was so neat that I got to see this uh, see this personally and operation that how excited they were and they, they had literally nothing but I'll tell you what if I could take home the capture their heart and their spirit I'll take that I want some of that that's the word working no matter the situation amen the word works the word works a generous life it goes on to say this in in verse 6 here's what verse 6 says so we urge Titus just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. We weren't gonna send Titus. Titus they sent to the churches to take the offering back to the church in Jerusalem. So he said we weren't gonna send him, but then we decided we're gonna go ahead and send Titus to make sure and get over there and then get to the Corinthian church as well. He says, we're gonna send Titus. Titus is gonna come by. And actually, so they're telling the Corinthian churches because Titus is gonna come by. I want you to be ready for his coming by to receive your offering. Verse seven says this, but since you excel in everything, Corinthian church, since you do so good in everything, I mean, you are the model church. You do so good in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving, this heart of giving. See that you make sure that you have the right internal motivation, this grace to give. Don't let that slip, don't let that slide, don't let every, anything else get in the way. And look what he says next in verse eight. I am not commanding you, isn't that interesting? It sounds like he's totally setting them up. But then he says, listen, I'm not commanding you. You don't have to do this. He said, don't let me pressure you, don't feel guilted into it. Well, how can we let this other little church and do all that? They don't have, how can, he's saying, listen, if it's not in you to do this or you feel pressured or you feel guilty, don't do it. 
And I say that to you this morning. Listen, don't be moved by emotion or don't be moved by videos or stories about India or anything like that. You be led of the Lord. You be led of his word. Then you line your life up with the word of God. So you just, you follow the scripture and don't follow man's promptings. So I'm not commanding you. And if you feel pressure, if you feel guilt, then don't do it. And he goes on to say this, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. I want you to see the heart that people are operating in here, so make sure you have the right heart when you do it. And now he gives us the ultimate motivation. The ultimate motivation for our giving comes in the next verse. Here's what he says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And I gotta say, that's a powerful scripture. But can I also just say, I think people miss misteach this. I, I think they, they teach this wrong. I think it's used out of the, the proper spirit of it. I think people say, see, God wants you to be rich. And, and listen, God wants you to be blessed, whatever, however you want to define that. You're to be blessed to be a blessing. But listen, I think that you watch late night TV, which unfortunately I watch the late night TV guys sometimes, and, and they're telling me 10 ways and how to give my uncommon seed and, and, and give this and that so I can be rich and I can be wealthy. You know, here's what I know. God takes care of all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Through Jesus Christ. But listen, people will use this as a motivator. If you want to be rich, then you need to do this. You want to be wealthy, then you need to do this. And I think that's the wrong heart and the wrong spirit. Because as I read this scripture, what I really believe it means is Jesus left the wealth and splendor of heaven to come to this earth. Jesus left the streets of gold and the gates of, of pearls and, and he, he left the, the things that we would just marvel at, that we couldn't even comprehend how extravagant it must be in heaven. He left all that to be born in a stable, the lowest of the low. He emptied himself of everything to be born in a feeding trough so he could make a difference in the lives of other people. Amen? I believe that's what it's talking about here. Yet for your sake, he emptied himself, born in a stable, so that you could be blessed. And I believe what he's saying right here is Jesus was the example of taking what he had and emptying himself to make the lives of other people better. Amen? He left all that for the sake of making the lives of other people better and that we're to do the same thing. He goes on to say this in verse 10. And here's my judgment, another translation to say, here's my advice to you, what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Let me say this to you. Hey, you're doing great. You did great this last year. You were very generous. We had a lot of great things happen. And let me say this, verse 11, he goes on to say this. Here's my advice. Don't stop. Finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep making a difference. Listen, you've been making a difference. Keep making a difference. You don't ever get to the place where you just say, well, enough is enough. We've reached enough people. We've ministered to enough people. We've, we've supported enough missionaries. He says, don't stop. Keep going. There's still more people that need to know of Jesus. And he says, listen, and I'm saying that Tree Life Church, you are so generous, the Family Life Center, how you serve people, Fall Fest, India, Mexico, you're so generous to people around here. Listen, but don't stop. There's still more to do. Our life is to be marked by generosity until we find ourselves in heaven one day where we've stored up those treasures. Listen, we're keeping going. We're keeping on with what God has for us. And verse 12 says this. Now if the willingness, now willingness speaks to the heart. Right? If you're willing, if you have the right motivation, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. If you get the heart right, 
then God loves it, which means God is interested more in your attitude. Come on, God is interested more in your attitude. And when we take it in those terms, it levels the playing field. Well, I don't have as much as they have. Well, you're the Macedonian church. You may not have as much as the Corinthian church, but God's not looking at the amount, he's looking at your heart, amen? You can over, overflow with joy when, when the Corinthian church, you know what, at times may not have been overflowing with joy, but they would have in the natural anything anybody could ever want. But you know where overflowing joy came from? A life of generosity, which wasn't about the amount, but about the heart attitude by which they lived. So let me give you the true attitude of generosity and what it looks like. I'm gonna give you what the attitude of generosity looks like. Number one, give joyfully. How are, we, how are we to have this heart attitude of generosity? How does that apply to our life? How do we live that out then? Because I want to walk in that. Give joyfully. You know, giving should be a joy, not a burden. It should be, you should give joyfully. We should do that. We hear all the time, random acts of kindness. People are, you know, around the church. Uh, we hear that all the time. Someone going through Starbucks and paying for the car behind them, you know. And they may never know what happens to that person. But man, there's something on the inside of them that feels like, man, there's something good, Right? I remember my, my family and I, we were at Walmart one night. This was several, several months ago, and there was another Tree of Life family there. And we connected with them over in the pharmacy area, and they, we asked them, how you doing? They were talking about some need that they, needs that they had. They were there to get a bunch of prescriptions, very expensive, actually. And so uh, they were talking about how uh, so much of their budget needed to go to the prescriptions that they were very limited that time on the groceries that they could buy for the family. They had to make a choice, and they needed the prescriptions. And so my wife, just boldly as she does, grabs her hand, says, let's pray right now, right in the pharmacy. I'm like, right here? in the pharmacy and looking around. And so she begins to pray for him and, and uh, which is a real blessing. And then we kind of went our ways and we ended up kind of on the uh, checkout lines next to each other. So as we're at the checkout counter right here, they're at the checkout counter next to us. And so we kind of finished our transaction a little bit before they did. And Jessamy goes, let's pay for theirs. Let's pay for their groceries. And um, I'm like, I don't, they're doing the transaction right now. I'm not sure. And, and so I'm like, how would we do that without, you know, right in front of them or whatever that looks like. And right that right moment, I don't know what happened. Maybe they were putting something in the cart, but they both left that little machine to go put something in the cart. And Jessamy ran over there with her cart and put it in there real quick and pulled it out and, and went back. And so the, the lady, the cashier lady is like, okay. And, and so they came back and it was paid for and we hurried and scooted out. And this is a family. We're like, that's awesome, right? That's awesome. It's not like, look what we did, but it's that thing on the inside of you, that joy that rises up. It didn't have to be a whole, I was like, man, that was awesome to do that, God. And that's how God created it. So we look for opportunities. We look for opportunities. And I don't say that to say, oh, look at us. Listen, look for opportunities. Give joyfully. Uh, that should be our heart, our life. Acts 20, 35 says this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's Jesus saying. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed in the Greek means happy. It's more happy to give than to receive. It's speaking of an internal joy. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful in the Greek is the word hilarios. Guess what word that forms? Hilarious. Give hilariously. Now some of you laugh nervously when you give, but give hilariously, right? <laughs> okay, God, okay, that's all I got, but okay, <laughs> right? Now we're talking about Proverbs 21, 26. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. It marks our life because it marks the life of our heavenly Father. Amen. Number two, give selflessly. Give selflessly. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says this. 
and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. They gave themselves. You know, I enjoy, my family, we enjoy giving. We love giving, and honestly, we love tithing. We, we're tithers, we've always been, I've always been, my wife has always been, my kids are. We love tithing, we love offerings, we love giving to Mexico, to India, to the Family Life Center, the people at the grocery store, we give our tithes faithfully. It feels like it's a part of who we are. It's not like we're giving resources, it's like we're giving of ourselves. Does that make sense? It's like we're giving a piece of ourselves when we tithe. We're, thank you, Lord, for the lives that will touch. We're giving a piece of ourselves when we give offering to things. That's exactly what God did. He didn't give you a check. Oh, someone's need to pay for these sins. Well, here, let me write you a check. There you go. He didn't do that, what did he do? He gave a piece of himself. He gave you the best part of who he is, and that's his son, and not just his son, his only son. He gave of himself, aren't you glad? He gave of himself. That's the same heart, same spirit where we're gonna live and operate by. We give something of ourselves. John three sixteen. we know it, we can quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You know, everyone is impacted by people's giving, everyone. You're impacted by people's giving. When people give of themselves, think about that. We think about the effect that it has on us, but what about other people? When you rolled onto the parking lot today, you had parking guys out there that have spent an hour in all kinds of weather. They spend time in there so you can have a find, help find you a place to park. They give of themselves. When you come in, the greeters are there to hand you a bulletin, to give you a smile. Maybe you didn't even want to be there. Maybe it picked you up. The ushers to help you find a seat. When you checked your kids in, you have somebody over there giving 90 minutes of themselves and it impacts you so you can sit here and not be worried about your kids and you know they're taken care of and hearing things of God and you can be blessed. They give of themselves all week to rehearse, to learn new songs, to learn parts. They come out for rehearsal. What are they doing? They're giving of themselves and it impacts people round about them. It impacts everybody. We give of ourselves. The sound, audio guys, they give of themselves and if they're not there to do that, then you can't hear me and I don't have a big enough outside voice for everybody to hear me, much less the internet. Everyone around you today, you are impacted by people giving of themselves. And you know what? Thank God they decided to do it. What would it be like one Sunday if we came checking kids and no children's workers showed up? And can I tell you, we're scrambling a lot of times because people call and I understand things happen. Listen, a lot of times it's like juggling over there to get, you know, to get enough things over there. And I'm not trying to get you to, to manipulate you to do anything, but listen, we need to live a life of generosity. And that is our time as well. We're impacting lives around about us. What would it be like if the sound guys decide not to come one day? What would it be like? What would it be like, and I, and I wrote these down, what if they didn't? What if they didn't come? What if Noah said, I don't do boats? <laughs> now, I wish you'd have said, I don't do spider snakes and mosquitoes, but... What if David said, I don't do giants. I take little guys, average guys, but I don't, I don't do giants. Well, what if Mary said, I don't do virgin birth. No one's gonna believe me. What if Paul said, I don't write letters in prison. I got enough problems, my own problems. Well, and that's how we live our life is by the, the letters Paul has written. What if, uh, and what if it, the people that, that gathered 34 and a half years ago at, from a Bible study and a prayer, what if they decided we don't do church plants? Where would we be today? You know, my dad, many of you probably don't know this, but he never thought he was gonna be a pastor. It was in his heart to be an evangelist. He went to Bible school to be an evangelist. He knew he was gonna travel and preach. What if he said one day, I don't do pastor. I don't do church planting. See, our giving of ourselves changes the lives, not only our life, but changes lives around about us. Where would we be? Aren't you grateful Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses? 
I don't do crowns of thorns. I don't do 39 stripes on my back with broken glass and metal. I don't do beatings and broken bones. I don't do nails and hands and feet. I don't do spears in the side. I don't do that. What if Jesus said, I don't do that? Where would we be? We give of ourselves. They gave of themselves. It impacts people round about us. Number three, give willingly. In other words, I'm giving because I want to. I'm giving because I want to. And it's not even that I have to, it's I get to. I get to give. I get to be a part of what God's doing. I get to help change people's lives. I get to help make a difference. You know, I get asked the tithing question all the time, and this isn't a tithing message or series, but I get asked about the tithe. You wanna talk about controversial subjects? Talk about people's money. And I've heard all the arguments for, and I've heard all the arguments against, and I'm on the for side, just so you know. And that is a core value and belief here at Tree of Life, and we've seen the fruit of that. I'm just telling you, it works. But listen, if you don't agree with me or don't believe me, hey, that's between you and the Lord and your finances. It's not gonna affect mine. And God's gonna take care of us, but I want you to see the word. But listen, I don't tithe because I have to, I tithe because I get to. I get to return a portion back to God who owns all of it anyways. I get to acknowledge him as source and provider for my life. I get to trust him for everything. I get to put him in a position to open the window of heaven and pour forth a blessing of my life. I get to put him in a position to rebuke the devourer for my sake and to not let the fruit fall from the vine before it's time. I get to put in a position to test him, as the Bible says, the only place the Bible says to test God. I get to test him. I don't have to, I get to. I love it, the heart of that. But it's an Old Testament principle, so, hey, if it was good in the, if it was good in the Old Testament, it's good today. But it's under the law. No, it wasn't, it was 400 years before the law. When Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, the law wasn't even created then. But you know what, Jesus didn't come to in the law, he came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish the law, the Bible says. In fact, let's go ahead and take a look there. Matthew 5, here's what it says. Because people say, it's under the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from that. It's been, and listen, listen to what Jesus said, though. I don't care what you say, listen to what Jesus said. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law, the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, twice in the same thing, in case you misunderstood the first one, but to fulfill them. I came to fulfill them. But we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace, absolutely. And grace says, take it to the next level. Because understand, written on stone tablets of the law says thou shalt not kill. We don't not kill people because it's written on a stone tablet. We don't kill people because we love people because we have the love of the Lord and we want to see them all come to Christ and come to heaven. We don't not commit adultery because it's written on a stone tablet. We don't commit adultery because we've taken our love for our spouse to another level. I don't commit adultery because it's on a stone tablet not to. It's I love my wife that much not to. And the grace of God gives me the ability to do that. It lets me take it to the next level. That's why it says in the New Testament, not thou shalt not kill, but don't even look on your, your brother with hate. And, that's not, and it says in the New Testament, it doesn't say thou shalt not commit adultery. It says don't even look at a woman lustfully. How can we do that? The grace, because Jesus came and provided grace to fulfill the law so you could take it to the next level. And that's not a tithing message, but I'm going to move on right there. I'll leave you with that one, okay? I'm sorry. Okay, all right, here we go. I want you to understand the, something. That's why the New Testament church called it grace giving. Grace giving. We give joyfully. Have some fun with it. We give selflessly. We want to give a part of ourselves. We give willingly, not because we have to, but because we get to. Number four, we give thankfully. And I love this one. We give thankfully. Every time you give an offering, every time you tithe, every time you show generosity, it is an expression of worship. 
which is why, one of the reasons why we moved our tithes and offerings to the end so people didn't see it as a business transaction with the church, that they could see it as a time of worship. We could create a worship moment around it. And can I say it this way? It should be the loudest worship. Our giving is the loudest worship we can offer to God. It's not just words from our mouth or singing a song. It's an act of trust. It's an act of recognition of faith in God and saying, thank you, God. It's all yours anyways. I'm returning a portion back to you. It should be our loudest expression of worship to God. It is not the time for us to pack up and leave a little bit early from service. We didn't move it at the end so people could cut out a little earlier. Hey, I'm tired. I'm on India time. I'm ready to go home and go to bed. But we created a moment where we could honestly create a worship moment, our giving, worshiping, honoring the, the provider, the source and provider of everything. That's my biggest motivation. Honestly, you know what? I'm blown away what God's done for me and my family. I, every day I'm blown away what he's done for our church. I'm blown away that God lets me be a part of what he's doing here on the planet. I was tired this morning. I was, I'm still, my nights and days are mixed up, but I was excited to get in the car to come here. I was excited we get to do this. I was telling Callie on the way here, look what we get to do. We get to be a part of all these great people. We get to do something bigger than ourselves. I'm thankful that we get to be a part of all of y'all. I'm thankful that we get to share life and ministry together. I'm thankful that we can share change lives all over the planet and help people in need. Blown away by that. Psalms 116, 12, 12 says this. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I could never repay him. And he's not asking for me. He's asking me to worship him. To be thankful. And to respond that way. God, and take this. It's yours anyway. Let me return this back to you. All we can do is take a part of us and return it back to him. Honestly, it's all his anyways. Right? Our time, our talent, our treasure, our marriage, our kids, our body, our brain, our ideas, it's all his. First Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. It's all his anyway. And I'm just so grateful that it'll work in us and through us. We have much to be thankful for, much to be grateful for. And I always try to convey that to my kids, always. You know, where did you come from? How thankful are some of you, right? I mean, where would you be without God? Some of your stories would just be amazing if we could go through and get all your stories. You need to tell them to your kids. I tell my kids all the time, hey, we're thankful we get to do this. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. Where would we be? I, I know my dad's story, uh, well, his dad was kicked out of his house in eighth grade. The family couldn't afford all the kids. Kicked my dad's dad, my grandpa out of the house in eighth grade. He lived on the streets till a family member took him in. Didn't have anything higher than eighth grade education. So then he got and decided I'm not gonna let my family live that way. And so he worked hard, became an alcoholic and a workaholic. He went home way, way, way too early. My dad was an alcoholic and a workaholic till Jesus changed his life radically. Jesus changed his life radically. Where would we be? I tell my kids, where would we be if grandpa didn't come to God? How can we not give our whole heart? How can we not give our life back? Where would some of you be had God not intervened on your behalf? Where would your families be? I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Thankful my kids are givers because they'll be blessed. We need the right motivation. Last one give intentionally. Give intentionally. The Bible encourages us not to be random or to be manipulated or guilted or emotional. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, New Living Translation says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully or hilariously. Be generous, be intentional, 
be about eternity. We give for eternity. The reason why we care for people is for the opportunity to share the love of God. The reason why we would swipe our debit card at Walmart is to share the love of Jesus with somebody. The reason why we would pay for the car behind us at Starbucks is to share the love of God with somebody. The reason why we would work 90 minutes watching somebody else's little kids And so somebody can hear the love of Jesus. The reason why we would stand out in freezing temperature and rain to help people find a place to park is to share the love of Jesus with somebody. The reason why we would go to India is to share the love of Jesus, to give to Mexico, to bring peanut butter, is to share the love of Jesus with those who have in need. That's why we do what we do. An hour and a half in the nursery, a shift at the Fall Fest event at a game, $10 worth of groceries, all to say God loves you. Is it worth 90 minutes? Is it worth $10 to tell someone that God loves them? Absolutely. First Timothy 6, 19, Living Bible. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. And they'll be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. The whole focus of our generosity is eternity. And let me close with this. I almost didn't want to bring it because it has been abused. It has been misused. I almost didn't want to present it because people will misuse it as a motivator. And I don't believe it is one. But I'm giving it to you because it's going to happen it's gonna happen, but it's not our motivation. If you get involved in all this, if you get involved in a life of generosity, the promise of the Father, the promise is you cannot outgive God. The promise is you cannot outgive God. It is impossible to outgive God. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. God set it up that way, and doesn't that make sense? If you were God, wouldn't you do it this way? Oh, yes. If you're smart, you would. If you were God, you would do it this way. If you were God looking down on planet Earth, seeing all the people in need and living in darkness, and you had the answer, and you needed to get it to them, and you needed resources to get to people to get it to them, and if you saw someone down there really going after it, really living a generous life, wouldn't you pour more into them? Wouldn't you do that? We all would do that. Every single one of us in this room would do that. God doesn't want to just give to you. He wants to give through you to bless other people. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God supplies seed to the what? Sower. He has a pile of resources and he's choosing who to give them to. Wouldn't you give them to someone who's sowing? Who would you give it to? Would you give it to this person sowing seed or would you give it to this person? It's pretty simple. That's God's principle, not, my, not man's, not mine. That's the word. We would be the same way. You cannot out give God. You just have to trust him. Live a generous life. It is a heart issue. Have your motivation right. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.